One, two, three, on three, we'll both do it. Okay. One, two, three. Welcome, Welcome to, to Honey Do Me Podcast. <laughs> I'm Cass. I'm Emma. We talk about sex and banging and relationships. And, and today butts. we're talking about neediness. Yeah. Which and is butts. similar to, to <laughs> Not butts. Not today, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a needy butt. Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> Some weeks. My man. <laughs> Some months, my man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, today we're talking about neediness. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so interesting to talk about our needs in terms of being right or being valid, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think we usually try and make ourselves less needy because that makes us easier to get along with, to take care of, whatever it may be. But today's all about validating the fuck out of your needs. Um, And we have Mara on the podcast today, and she's an author of the book Needy. I mean, there you go. Can't lose. Bada Um, bing, bada boom. And she's going to talk us through how to advocate for our needs, how to figure out what our needs are, why they're so important, how dismissing our needs impacts our sex life because it Mm -hmm. deeply, deeply impacts our sex life. Deeply. Yeah. Well, think about like not being able to say what you want. And so now this is what you actually need to Mm -hmm. survive. Like, go figure. (laughs) (laughs) Go fucking figure. Go fucking figure or go kick rocks. One of those two. Either one. Um, it's your fucking choice. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was really fun to talk to Mara. I love talking about our needs and having people be like, you're so valid. So I, I love being told I'm valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was So I was listening to a Dipsy um, audio erotica the other night. Mm-hmm. It was so go good. To bed. Uh, yeah, like before bed. Um, nice. I'm not with my husband right now, and it just felt really appropriate, and it was nice to have a voice talking to me. It is, they are the most validating audios. Like, I don't, because I've listened to a lot of them before. I don't know, none of them have hit quite the way this one did, because it was two people in the audio um, talking to me, and they were just (laughs) validating me over and over and over again and saying how happy they were to be there with me, and I was like, oh my God, a woman wrote this. (laughs) What kind, what do you mean? It wasn't a story? It was like a validating meditation? No, it was sex. Oh, but they were like, hello, listener. I'm happy you're here. No, so some of the Dipsy audios are like him and you. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hello. I like those ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was it was two <laughs> hymns and me. <laughs> and they were so happy to be there with me. And they were just they just kept oh telling God. me I was safe. And it was phenomenal. <laughs> Two hymns and a you. Yeah. Wow. I love your choice, first of all. Thank you. That. <laughs> it was two party boys, I think is what they were called. Party boys. I'm pretty sure one was named Sebastian. I don't remember the other. Mm. I knew a Sebastian once. Yeah. That is so funny. Well, how lovely. I'll have to hit that up tonight. It was phenomenal. After. I'm like blushing. I'll send you the exact one. <laughs> yes, please. 
<laughs> it was just, we, honestly, I got a little teary at the end because they were just oh. talking about how honored they were to have done that with me. <laughs> to have like come on your face. Yeah. You specifically. I'm, it was just, yeah, it was so validating. All of my needs oh my were met um, auditorily. So I fucking love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. We should start like a little sheet of things that like we reference if anyone's mm-hmm. interested. Yes, Watch no absolutely. one care, but <laughs> I will care. I'll give a shit. I'll send it to you. And if any of you want it, just let me know and we'll let you know the exact title. It's like an Amazon storefront, but for our porn. <laughs> exactly. Free and so, we don't make a dime. <laughs> but it's something we need to wrap exactly. this all around in a bow. Um, so yeah, let's go on into more things that we need with Mara. Yeah. See you on the other side. All right. See you on the other side. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone. My name is Mara Glatzel and I am a writer and a coach and a podcast host and the author of Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Claim Your Sovereignty. And really I work with humans to figure out what they need and how to ask for it and how to navigate all of the stories and obstacles and inner shenanigans that come up when we think about asking for what we need and how vulnerable that can be, even when we really, really want to. Mm -hmm. We are so excited to dive into this topic because Cass and I both consider ourselves people with a lot of needs and has often led us to feeling very needy. So What do we mean when we say that we are needy people? And is that a bad thing? Well, I don't know what it means when you say you're needy, (laughs) but I know for me, when I say that I'm needy, it means I have more hungers in me than I was socialized to believe were okay to ask for. And it's that push-pull of I, I want things... I want to, you know, be involved in in relationships in certain ways. I'm I'm yearning for something that feels somehow taboo. And that pressure that we carry to I don't know, chisel ourselves down, make ourselves palatable so that we can belong in our relationships and our social circles and the heaviness of that belief. I don't want to be needy. Being needy is a burden. And how quickly that goes from, you know, I don't want to be needy to, that means that that I'm not allowed to have any needs whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you get set up in this life where you don't see yourself reflected anywhere and you're not having emotionally honest relationships and you may be invited to all of the things, but you feel lonely everywhere you go. And I definitely spent a lot of time feeling that way myself and feeling like, I was too much and not enough at the same time and that it was, and in particular, this hyper-socialization around it is not feminine, it's not desirable um, to be needy. And so I need to cover that part of myself up or hide it or deal with it on my own time. Mm -hmm. All of that and when we were talking about scheduling this interview, the first thing that came into my head was this idea of being a chill girl which I feel like is just so pushed. Like you want to be the chill girl. Like you want to be okay with whatever. You want to let them do whatever. You just are like lay on the couch, drink a beer and watch sports because that's your favorite thing Mm -hmm. ever. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And it's like the chill girl doesn't have needs. The chill girl doesn't have needs in any aspect of their lives. And so it's Beyond like I've never sex, been. constantly exactly. hunger for sex. But no needs within <laughs> sex either. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have any need for like clitoral stimulation. Oh my God. Um, but I've never been a chill girl because I have always had so many needs, it's felt like. So when did it like, has it ever been okay for people socialized as women in particular to have needs? I do not think so. I mean, maybe <laughs> a very long time ago. But, you know, if we look through relational patterns, you know, over the last hundred years, emotional honesty wasn't even really on the table for mm-hmm. relationships for a long time. And women and men, you know, got together for certain kinds of things and socialized separately. And it was very much set up in such a way that, you know, the woman's job was to support a man and, you know, do all of their things for them. And surely they had emotional needs. Um, But, you know, there was no place for that. And I think even as we've grown from that place to where we are now, I can see that we are talking about needs now more than certainly we have in my lifetime. And that's fantastic. But even still that chill, that, that lives in me too, in a very big way. That idea of, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I was like, it's like blue crush. Like she's hot. She's surfing. She's, Mm -hmm. she's fun to be around, you know? Um, And Yeah, I was always like, I'm sorry, can we clarify what's going on here? And I have some thoughts and a ton of feelings, way too many feelings and um, and needs and that you're taught both through personal experience and also through these cultural references that it, it would be better. Things would be easier for you if you could just fix that part. That's always wanting to talk about it, always needing more, always having feelings about everything. Yeah. I know that TV shows and movies, you have to be realistic with what you can show because you're supposed to move the story along. But it is interesting when you go back and you watch your favorite shows or your favorite movies and you see these moments where either the main characters in a relationship are like having a conflict and how little things get talked about or things get like their needs get addressed and that's what you see. I, I watch Gilmore Girls. I love Gilmore Girls. But you see all of these moments between like Lorelai and Luke where she doesn't talk about anything because Luke doesn't have the capacity for it. And so through our socialization with media, I feel like you just don't even see addressing needs because it would take too long, which is like the moral of the story. Mm-hmm. And I find that so interesting. Yeah. But so here's my question about Lorelai and Luke. <laughs> um. Does he not have the capacity for it? Because I think this is part of it too, is that we read other people's minds and we Mm -hmm. make assumptions about what they have the capacity for. And then we act accordingly. As a big Gilmore Girls fan myself, (laughs) I have revisited Gilmore Girls many a time in the last couple of years. And Lorelai, I find more and more a troublesome character. (laughs) You have some real emotional work that you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, yeah, we do see all of these examples of 
you know, but her not asking for what she wants and then being pissed that she's not getting it. And that is another setup that I think we are suckered right into. It is, you know, if my needs are worthy, if my needs are valid, if I am worthy, if I am valid, you will just know what I need because that's what love is. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, there must be something wrong with me or something wrong with what I need. And there's all of these correlations that are being made in our minds that are based on faulty logic. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to getting your needs met, mind reading is just about the worst because we all assume we're on the same page and none of us are. Mm -hmm. That's something that Emma and I have both been working on since we did an episode on that topic um, a couple of months ago because that was a real mind blower of, oh, like you not being able to guess what I need isn't indicative of how much you love me because that's how I've been living my life for 20 yeah. years. Um, so I don't really know what's don't know going anything on. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's so true. So what do you feel like this aversion to express our needs, how does that impact our sex life? I don't know if we can have a sex life really Mm -hmm. if we don't know how to ask for what we need Mm -hmm. because from an emotional perspective if we don't have a working understanding of our emotional intimacy needs and our attachment needs it is really hard to get to a point where you are comfortable and uninhibited enough to really enjoy yourself and to let loose and to be in the present moment and not in your head and, you know, forecasting out ahead of you the whole time. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to having satisfying sex, I get, well, I think the, the first, the like baseline point is you have to know what you want and need. That's like the first skill. And the Mm -hmm. second skill is figuring out how to communicate that to somebody else. And without those two things, what are we really doing? Mm-hmm. Performing. I mean, it's, you know. How do we do that? How do we, <laughs> one, figure out what we want and need and then to communicate that? Can we go through those two things? Absolutely. So I think when it comes to figuring out what we need, there are those two camps of kind of what do I need on a human level to be naked with you, hanging out with you, comfortable with you. And if we think about that from an attachment perspective, what do I need as a person in order to feel safe in this relationship? Which doesn't mean, you know, obviously not every sexual situation is a whole full-blown relationship. So, you know, I think that this, we can think about this on a dial. It's like baseline, in one night, what do I need from you in order to feel safe and comfortable and good in this relationship for this moment? Um, and then, you know, obviously if we're, this is sex we're having in a longer term relationship, this kind of conversation goes on and on, but that baseline of what do I need in order to be here and stay in my body? Mm-hmm. Because I know for me, you know, as a person who, just had a bunch of shitty sexual experiences, had a bunch of, um, you know, sex with people who didn't care about me, frankly, my ability to turn myself off and go somewhere else 
but to be physically present can happen in a moment. So in order for me to be in my body during a sexual experience, I need to know what do I personally require in order to be here with you and to feel comfortable. And, you know, I'm a really a verbal person. You know, if you think about those love languages, I'm really here for uh, verbal affirmation that the way that you are talking to me about me will make me feel inherently so much more comfortable. And that might be different for everybody. It might be, you know, whatever, what makes one person safe might be knowing somebody's um, sexual health status. What might be, you know, all of these different aspects of safety as it is um, most important to you. But having that understanding of how do, what do I need to be in this space? And I think I I almost don't even want to start with this because I can see so many of us pushing right past this point. It's like, do I need to feel, especially if it's like a casual thing or like a one night stand thing, or, you know, does it matter if I feel safe? Do I, you know, it feels like that might already be way too much, but if we think about that dial and we think about what are the um, lowest common denominator things that I need just baseline in a human interaction to feel as though I am um, being respected, uh, being, you know, whatever it is that you want to be mm-hmm. in that moment. So I think that is one piece of self-exploration. And the other piece, of course, is sexual. It's like, well, what do I want in this situation? What turns me on? What feels good? How do I want to be touched? You know, what do I want to explore? And whenever we're talking about needs, I always recommend that we do some of this exploration on our own before we try to have these conversations with other people, because it can be too high test, you know, especially when it comes to thinking about safety, you know, however comfortable you are talking about sex that, you know, there varies so much for us. Um, but, you know, having these conversations, having some of this understanding of your own body, of your own needs, of your own um, stuff when it comes to other being in the presence of other humans, the more equipped that we are with that that piece of self-awareness, the more easily we're going to be able to um, communicate that. When it comes to needs and sex, the number one thing that I hear from my clients is how do I ask for what I need um, without it sounding like a criticism? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Because again, I think, you know, it can be vulnerable and not just for you, right? And so I I think that we can get creative in having these conversations ahead of time, depending on, you know, the sort of level of relationship we have with that person. But, you know, if it's somebody that you are in relationship with over a period of time, talking about it ahead of time, um, talking about what you're interested in, um, not in the exact moment can be really useful because that can be a chaotic moment and you may, you know, just become overwhelmed so easily. And the, the, the undercurrent of this is having so much compassion and grace for yourself to not do this perfectly. You know, you could say, 
um, after the fact, like, Hey, I had wanted to tell you that I wanted this and you know, the sex is over, but you can still say it, right? Sometimes we don't know what we need until after, or, you know, have the conversation before there's no wrong time to talk about it. And I think that's a really important thing for us to take home because it can feel like, Oh, I missed my chance. It was in this moment. And now, you know, I don't know how to bring it up. Um, but always thinking about what is the clearest way that I can communicate this that feels the safest to me? You know, do I want to send it in a text message so I don't have to talk to that person's face directly? Do I want to <laughs> write them a note? You know, whatever way feels right to you. Um, but being creative in that. I like that you said, you know, if you want to send a text message and not say it in person, that's okay too. Because I think. I personally will put a lot of pressure on myself to be like, well, no, I have to address this in this very like adult specific like way that I've created in my head that is like the only compassionate way, quote unquote, to address my needs. But that's so much pressure on me to do it in this particular way that then I end up not doing it because I'm like, that's too much of a step from where I'm at. So Mm -hmm. I like the varied options. Yeah. And you can work towards that. I find sometimes with my partner texting, I mean, we've been together for 15 years. We talk about all kinds of things, but texting is great for something where, you know, you just don't want to get, you want to be thoughtful about what you're going to say and kind of compose it in a certain sort of way. And for some of us, it's really hard to think on the fly and our processing speed might be such that it's really hard to kind of know what your comeback is going to be in real time. And so I think we can show up in whatever way feels best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to write letters when I was in relationships and whether it was like good letters or letters about just where I was at. So texting, I've like convinced myself that that's taking the easy way and that's cheating when it comes to communication. But if I look back at the history of how I can like communicate my feelings in a way that feels the best it has been through like words and writing it and giving myself a minute and taking a beat so I I like that the more we discover like how to communicate we learn that texting is okay in some situations or writing it out or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah and texting can be sexy I mean look if you're a words person I am a words person um I think texting can be really sexy mm-hmm. and that's great too. Yeah. It builds that anticipation in such a nice way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we've talked a lot in a lot of different episodes about really like fun, flirty ways to ask mm-hmm. for your needs to be met. And so I think that can take off some pressure as well. Like it doesn't need to be a like quote unquote hard conversation. It can be mm-hmm. a fun conversation. It doesn't have to be really like heavy and sticky which I have associated like heaviness with having needs um, yeah. in general. Like when you were talking about all of the blue crush stuff, I'm like, yeah, that's like an easy girl. I've never thought of myself as like an easy girl. I'm like uh-huh. a project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in yeah. that same idea, is there a too needy? Is there ever a point where you are too needy? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, no, but yes. Uh Um, 
So I think that what we think of as kind of classically needy, and we can all come up with that vision in our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, the vision I have is uh, um, Kate Hudson in uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, where she's talking about the love fern. That mm-hmm. is like just comes to mind very quickly when I think about too needy. Um, but of course she gets away with it because she's Kate Hudson. She's super hot, which is also some real mixed messaging. Point aside, it, you, when you are unwilling or unable to take responsibility for your needs, they come out in all sorts of directions. And part of that, you know, we talked about before about that, expecting other people to read your mind and then you're resentful because they didn't. And you're having this whole kind of like push pull or you're trying to be chill. So you don't ask for the thing, but you want the thing, you need the thing. And that's going to inevitably boil into this now huge conversation where, you know, before it may have been, Hey, do you mind if dot, dot, dot. Um, And so I find that when we are thinking about that kind of classically needy presentation, it's usually somebody who has been pretending not to have needs for a long time. And so, you know, they, they like bubble up and out of you in this way that is super overwhelming. And we're conditioned to believe that one person should be meeting all of our needs, which is a complete setup because... No one person is going to be universally available to meet all of our needs. And so the more that we're in relationship with ourselves and the more that we're willing to take responsibility for our needs and to understand, hey, okay, some of my needs are met in this relationship. Other needs are not, right? So for example, I, as I've mentioned, I'm a real words of affirmation person. My partner is not. My partner is like basically non nonverbal when it comes to <laughs> that kind of thing. Like they're just not interested and, you know, they don't show love that way. They're just, they're willing to meet me in that spot because I love it, but it just doesn't like, I love to talk to people and affirm them through words. That's a real joy for me. So I have other people in my life who we have that kind of reciprocal relationship and that feels really good. And so, you know, that, that neediness shows up when we have these largely unspoken expectations of this one person that we're hyper-focused on and expecting that one person to be able to do everything for us. The things that also often we're unwilling to do for ourselves. And that gets us into this place of feeling like that hungry ghost. It's like, I want, and I want, and I want, and I want, and it's way too much for you. It's way too much for me too. And it doesn't feel good, but I can barely help myself. And usually it's because I've been on this kind of starvation diet when it comes to getting my needs met or even letting myself have needs. And so, you know, I have been that person. Um, I have a lot of compassion for that person, (laughs) but I think that a lot of this work comes from, you know, what am I trying to outsource that I'm unwilling to take responsibility for myself. That's my number one sticky area where I am just unable to deal with some, or I just want, I think that somebody else has something that I need desperately and I want them to give it to me. Um, And there are so many ways to get your needs met. 
but you got to understand that your needs are your responsibility and nobody else's. And I think that is the path out of that um, bubbling up and over kind of neediness that none of us want to be. But we set ourselves up in this black and white situation. It's either that or no needs. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no no gray zone or middle, middle ground at all. And um, where I'd like people to get to is I am a person who has needs and I have a working understanding of where I get those needs met. And it's not just siloed into one part of my life that um, it's so unsustainable because mm-hmm. shit happens. We're human, you know, people go through grief seasons. They, you know, we're all just doing the best that we can. And when you're fully believing that that one person is going to be able to meet all of their needs when they are going through something, it leaves you completely, you know, adrift. And I don't know, it doesn't work. The times at which I have felt too needy are exactly like what you're saying, where I feel lost in this tornado of my thoughts. And I'm at a point where I've neglected what I've needed so much in moments like this, but on like a smaller scale that now at this big scale, I am like in a void of having the ability to communicate, feeling like I could even get it from that person. But I have spent so long pushing down the tiny little hints at what this need could be that I've just like, I can't even figure out how to communicate it. And I feel like that's when I feel too much in this huge needy black hole of a person in a relationship. So that really, that made me start thinking about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so relatable. And I think what's important to keep in mind is that is the inevitable result mm-hmm. of suppressing all of your needs. Mm-hmm. And we personalize it and we feel shame about it. And what do we think is going to happen, right? You pretend like you're totally chill. You don't need anything. Everything's fine. (laughs) And we all have needs. Right. So what happens when a partner isn't able to meet another partner's needs, whether it's they don't have capacity for it, they don't want to meet that need, um, but it is something that that partner really it's a need. needs. <laughs> so just, I'm not sure what other mm-hmm. word to use. Like what's coming into my mind in terms of like stickier situations is if one partner, you know, really wants physical touch, wants a lot of physical touch and the other partner does not. Like that's not really a boundary that I feel like is easily crossed or like justifiably crossed. So it's like how do you navigate situations like that where you do want that from your romantic partner? Mm-hmm. So I think that um, it depends on whether this is situational or a long-term difference in Mm -hmm. desire. Because situationally, we encounter all kinds of issues where for some reason or another, we don't have a capacity in that moment to meet our um, partner's desires or needs. And, um, it is my deepest wish for all of us that we are able to have conversations that sound kind of like, Hey, this is something that I need. Are you available for that right now? And the other person says, 
no, <laughs> I'm really <laughs> tired. I have a lot going on. I have a headache, whatever. How about tomorrow morning? And then when tomorrow morning comes, that need is met. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, sometimes there are longer term situations that may take several months to resolve. Um, but sometimes it's a poor fit. And I think these are the questions that we need to ask ourselves because if we are, especially with people for long periods of time, you know, things happen and there may be periods of time where you are at an impasse where that is not, you know, your needs are not a good match in that moment, but you have this overarching vision that, you know, this is a relationship that fulfills me in so many ways. And I am willing to not have my needs met in this moment because I have faith that, you know, over the duration of the relationship, it kind of all comes out in the wash. Mm -hmm. That's, optimal. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, we have these moments where, you know, I'm doing all of this work and I'm showing up and asking for what I need. And you are continually and routinely not interested. And at a certain point I'm asking myself, you know, are we compatible in this way? And another way of thinking about that is what am I willing to live with and what am I not? Because we make all kinds of relationship decisions and, you know, there are so many creative ways to get your needs met, whether that's opening up your relationship or, you know, pleasuring yourself or, you know, having that kind of relationship with yourself for a period of time. It's like, there's so many different configurations that we can come bring in, but ultimately it is each and every one of ours decision to make whether our needs are being met enough in the relationship for it to be worthwhile for us. And I think we're all going to have a different barometer for that. Mm -hmm. Some of us really want our needs to be met in a certain kind of way. And there's not a lot of give for that. That's all right. But you're not going to be a great fit with somebody who, you know, has a lot of emotional variability or has something else going on that makes them unavailable to you for certain periods of time, right? That's not going to be a good fit. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with them, but combined, it's not a great fit. And this is the piece about needs that is really important for us to understand too, that you need what you need. That's fine. Um, The other person is interested in what you need. Either they're genuinely interested in that thing too, or they're interested in you enough that they're willing to kind of have this give and take where you both are doing things that you know, maybe it's not at the top of your list, but you're willing to experiment and hang out and play and, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, all too often, you know, it's that feeling of, well, I'm too much. Um, but you need what you need. That doesn't mean you're too much. And if that's not a good fit for somebody else, it's, it's a poor fit. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think I oh go ahead oh go ahead 
I was just going to say my partner and I had a conversation like that pretty recently where I felt like some of my needs that I consider like some of my bigger needs weren't getting met. Um, And I asked him if he had capacity and we had a really honest conversation and he told me he didn't right now. And it was just a right now thing. And it was a short term thing, but that like, you know, and it was a really honest conversation and I won't lie, like it stung and it sucked a little bit to hear like, I'm not able to do that for you right now. But it also felt a lot better to hear that than, yeah, I'll do that and then not have that need met again. Like I would rather know up front and be communicating about where we're both at because I understand that like, you know, both of our lives are going to go through all these different things and we're going to have different capacities at different times. And it was hard, but it was good. Um, And so, yes, I agree that those conversations are very helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I believe so much in bringing things to an explicit level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I used to be a like a plus mind reader that was just i you know by trauma by socialization really good at it and so i had all of these relationships where i was just doing all this mind reading i was always being praised for just knowing what you know what i need what they needed before they knew it and all of the it was just this this feedback loop because we are validated for this kind of mind reading. And in turn, you know, I was believing that they would read my mind. There was a certain point a couple of years ago where I said to my partner and my sisters and a friend of mine, you know, friends of mine, that I was just no longer going to receive any information that wasn't verbal. I was like, I'm just, and you know, text, sure, fine. Write me a letter. Okay. But I'm like, I'm not going to deal in the unknown mind reading realms anymore. And of course, do I still notice things? Yeah, absolutely. But I, it is a boundary that I have with myself that I only deal with what people actually tell me because everything else is a trap. Even if you're right most of the time, you're not right all of the time. Mm -hmm. And even though somebody has acted a certain way or liked or not liked a certain thing or been available for or not available for something up until this point, we're all changing all of the time. And so, you know, I think that we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to one another to have these conversations explicitly as much as we can. And that doesn't mean it is some huge, heavy handed processing session, But, you know, the more that we can be having conversations about our needs, the less that it is this like huge kind of reckoning. Um, And it's more like, hey, I need you to this thing that's just Mm -hmm. I'm noticing or is bothering me or I'm hungry for. Um, So much better. Is there a relationship at all, good or bad, between being someone that is an excessive need meter and being someone that is a need neglector like to themselves. Yeah. I feel like what you were saying with the mind reading, I feel like someone that tries to do that a lot. And I also have a lot of self-awareness and understand that I have needs, but I didn't consider them as important as being the need meter. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, for women and for people of all genders who are socialized as girls, that we are really socialized to be the need meter, that that is, there's a very high value placed on that. But I think also beyond that, if we look at it from an attachment perspective, that, um, you know, a lot of people who have anxious attachments get into relationships with people who have avoidant attachments. And there is this like push pull of, you know, I'm attracted to you because you're kind of way too much. And it's like, I'm, I, there's this just push pull between the two of you. You're just both trying to work something out. And I see a lot of those kinds of relationship configurations. Um, and so I think that sometimes, you know, we get into relationships with people to heal some of this stuff, to work some of this stuff out, but that doesn't mean that it's a smooth, uh, journey. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be, um, can be tricky. You know, I have a partner who, um, really, I think would prefer to not think that needs exist, which is just so comical. And our relationship over the course of the last 10, 15 years has just been, it's just been so funny because, you know, you just see that you're having these conversations with somebody as an adult, but really you're having conversation with that child inside of them that was either allowed to have needs or not. And, um, you know, we have so much work to do in this realm. And sometimes that happens in relationship where um, somebody who's really good at knowing what people need, if people aren't ready, able, or willing to know what they need for themselves, they need to be in relationships with people like that because otherwise nothing would get done for them. And that doesn't mean that it's your job, um, you know, but it, it can be a starting point, I suppose. How did you set that mind reading boundary? Because I would love to get to that point. But for me, I feel like the mind reading, the need meeting, like giving that up, not meeting other people's needs, but you get what I'm saying, also means giving up an aspect of likability. Um, and that feels really scary. Yeah, it is really scary. <laughs> I was just <laughs> say it is really scary. And also I have had conversations with people that are so clear about what they need and they give it to you straight and you know that you can trust them. And the vibration of that conversation is so different than having a conversation with somebody who you know is going to say yes and you're going to pay for it later. And when you are a person who is saying yes all of the time because you want to be liked, you are setting up that kind of dynamic. And that you can feel it. And I think, you know, I prefer now to be more forward facing, even if I know that I'm going to disappoint you because you have an understanding of I'm, I'm not going to, I'm only going to say yes to the things that I'm really available for. And actually that's valuable in your relationships to be having those kinds of conversations. And so, you know, when I started to set that boundary, I basically said this, that, you know, I really love you. This is to my partner. I really love you. Um, and I have a vested interest in what you need and in helping you get your needs met. 
but I am no longer going to imagine that I know what you need. And I am going to wait for you to verbalize that to me. And if you are, for example, like passive aggressively doing something in the kitchen and I can tell that you're pissed about it, but you haven't told me, I'm going to ignore that situations like that are happening until you get to the point where you tell me. And it was, it was awkward. Um, It was plenty awkward as it was all starting. But I think having those conversations and preferencing, preference, Prefacing it? I totally know what you're saying, and I also am lost. Prefacing? Prefacing. (laughs) Honestly, I always read that as preface, which I know is wrong, but so it took me a second to make sure I didn't say that first. (laughs) Yes. Um, But prefacing it with that piece about, like, I, I care about you. And I do want you to get your needs met. Like I have a very high value for that. And also I am trespassing against you when I presume to know what you need without you telling me. And there is just this piece about what's my responsibility. What's your responsibility? Getting really clear on that. And it it's, it's great. It's truly great. It frees up so much energy that you may spend scanning the room, figuring out where everybody stands. And, um, and it's, it's the most uncomfortable with myself because what do you do with those moments where, you know, something's going on and you, you know, are just not, uh, actively trying not to tolerate that, uh, unspoken information. Um, but I think it's so important for us to be able to have conversations on an explicit level and to ask for what we need and to ask early and often. You know, the other thing is, too, if you're waiting too long to ask for what you need, that's when you have these kind of marathon conversations, this like sticky processing or these feelings of, you know, heightened, like, I really need you to understand when I'm really keyed up because I feel like I'm not being seen and I'm not getting what I need. That is a recipe for, we're going to be talking about this for a long time and I'm going to appear to be way too much and totally difficult and totally needy and all of those things that I don't want to be. But the reason that that got set up is because I waited way too long ask for what I needed to the point where I had so many needs, I barely knew where to begin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that, because for me, when you're talking about somebody being, you know, passive aggressive and you know that something's wrong or you think you know that something's wrong. For me, I was thinking like, well, what if somebody's being a sassy turd? And I know (laughs) that just something is going on. Because in those moments, like I've learned how to pick those up because of trauma and like it's a trauma response to like keep myself safe so I know when somebody's mad or upset or any of those things so does it take like a lot of nervous system regulation in those moments because I don't know how to keep that in and I imagine that's a question for my therapist but um how to keep those feelings in and not just be like fine what's wrong and just to like try and like quell Mm -hmm. my own horrible feelings well and off of that too Cass because that's exactly Mm -hmm. the question I had it's wrapping back around to you were a sassy turd and I let I waited for you to communicate like what you needed 
but now you need to make up for the fact that you hurt my feelings during that time. Mm -hmm. So it's like having a need at the other end of this like tizzy that they're having. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. just to continue Mm -hmm. that question. Yeah. So yes, it does take a significant amount of nervous system regulation. And I think, you know, doing those reminders for yourself, um, because from a trauma perspective, you know, for me, uh, for many years, I experienced any, I was conflict avoidant to the point where it felt like a conflict with somebody that was unresolved might, I mean, actually kill me. Like, it sounds dramatic. That was my experience in my body. It was like, I can't exist in a universe with this conflict. Um, or knowing, like, suspecting that the conflict may be coming my way. Yeah, that's um, it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, coming, approaching it from that place of so much kindness towards yourself and doing your own, having your own therapist, um, doing, you know, whatever it is that you need to do to get some space. Um, but sometimes um, you may want to have a conversation, maybe not in the moment, um, but about it. Because I think that that's the piece. It's like, hey, you know, again, maybe not in the moment, although sometimes it does happen and that's what the best we can do. But, you know, afterwards and say, you know, hey, I could see that you had some needs and you were like slamming cupboards and doing a whole thing or being really shitty towards me. And that felt bad to receive. And, you know, we eventually got to the point where you just asked for what you need, but that whole part up until then really sucked. And, you know, how can we do that differently in the future so that we, um, you know, sometimes people don't know what they actually, they're like figuring out it out in tantrum. Mm -hmm. Um, in tantrum. So, you know, uh, if that's part that of word. your process, um, how can I let you do that process by yourself and without me? Yeah. Um, mm. Not everybody journals. Some people, you know, have to just like fuck around and slam some shit. Um, I know. Yeah. yeah. But I think we can talk about it, especially with people that we're in relationship with and we're planning to continue to be in relationship with to say, I wasn't a fan of that whole tantrum tantrum (laughs) yeah you know um and vice versa because i think this is the piece too that gets around you're just criticizing me all the time it's like i invite i i actively invite you to talk to me about what you need and what's not working for you as well and you know look i'm not perfect my partner has plenty of qualms when it comes to um, dealing with me. And I invite them to bring those forward too, because look, I'm not the only one who gets to have needs, even though I'm a lot more verbal about my needs. And I think that's the piece, but it is vulnerable. And depending on, um, again, you know, how we're attached, how we relate to other people, we may have a really, uh, kind of like hair trigger for, feeling like we're being criticized or we've disappointed somebody. And so this too has to do with what we know to be true about who we're dealing with and what we know to be true about ourselves. And, um, you know, I know for, in my relationship, 
Um, I am a really quick verbal processor. My partner is not, which is why texting is great for us. And so we'll have these conversations and I am just like, and this point and another point and furthermore, and here to four, <laughs> and here's my evidence, Sherry support. And I'm just moving very quickly. And, you know, for my partner is like learning how to say I'm really flooded right now. And I need us to like wrap this up and take a minute to figure things out. But then for me, it was like, well, we're always wrapping things up and taking a minute. And then what the fuck happens then? Nothing happens then. It's just like these, these feelings go into the abyss. I'm like, okay, so you need to take a minute. I need to have some repair or some return when like the minute is over. And the more that we're both able to know what we need, the more deftly we're able to navigate those moments of conflict. Because of course, we're all going to have moments of conflict. But the more that we know about how to have that conflict in the, the way that it um, is the least damaging as possible, I think is the really important point. It's like, oh, what I know to be true about you is this. What you know to be true about me is this. And all of these things are important. So how can we get creative about how to create almost like a blueprint for what we do, wash and rinse every single time we argue so that we're both getting our needs met as much as possible. You, I think you, I think you explained about 95% of the arguments both Cass and I have experienced Maybe. and uh, 95% of the ones that we do experience continuously. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, you partners. hit a lot. <laughs> you hit a lot right there. Yeah. Um, so how do we start creating that blueprint within our relationships for how we problem solve and how we get all of our needs met, or most at least? The first thing is you're never going to have all of your needs met. Cool. <laughs> Noted. So just knowing <laughs> that is great because it's – this idea that we live with that like if somehow I was doing something better or I was better or they were different or I don't know, we all lived in Barcelona, <laughs> the, the situation was different, then my needs would be met. Doesn't exist as far as I've seen it. Because we have vast needs and oftentimes they're conflicting. And so the best we can do is get the majority of our needs met. But knowing that alleviates some of the pressure for if my needs aren't being met wholesale, that means something's wrong. You know, we have seasons of life. I have two kids uh, who are three and six. And there's just a lot of stuff I'm not getting in this time of my life. And I could spend a lot of energy being bummed about that. Or I could just acknowledge like, this is a season. It's not forever. Um, this is a time in my life where I'm not traveling as much as I want to, or, you know, it's harder to negotiate this kind of situation. So that piece I find really useful. Um, but the second piece is that the more that we know, too often we bypass ourselves to get right to how do we advocate for our needs with other people. And this is actually why I wrote my book, um, because it has, it is 90% about how to build your relationship with yourself so that you even know what you need. 
and know what you want to ask for. Because once you know that, having these conversations is so much easier. But when we don't have a real working understanding of ourselves in context or what we need, then we're having these conversations where we're kind of trying to work it out in the conversation. That's always very stressful. Or, you know, the conversations about this over here, which feels really, really important because we have an unmet need over here that we've attached to that thing. And, you know, I'm so mad because you were looking at your phone while you were talking to me, um, which might be a minor thing. But for me, it feels like you don't see or know me or acknowledge me as a person who is worthy of your time, energy, or attention, which is a big thing. And, I've attached these two in my mind. So the more that I have an understanding of what I actually need, which is I want to know that I'm important to you. I want to know that I matter to you. If you are not able to meet that need in this, you know, tiny corner that I have attached to it, there's an entire galaxy that's available, but let's talk about how you're going to meet that need in a way that feels good to me and also to you. Right? So, But that takes a lot of self-awareness. And once you're able to get to the point where you have an understanding of what you need, or at least a good enough understanding, then having those conversations becomes a lot easier. And the blueprint almost makes itself because we're, we're new every day, but we're not wholly new, right? We're in these times where this situation shows up. Well, I know already when that kind of situation shows up, I'm going to feel this sort of way and I'm going to need this kind of thing. And because you know me, we've been through this before. I'm going to need that in this. So, you know, when I was talking about the fights, it's that kind of thing where we've had enough fights to know here I am talking really quickly here. You are completely disassociating. Now, it is actually a huge step for us to real, for me to look at you, realize you're disassociating, for you to realize you're have left the building. And for us to say, at this point, we're going to stop this conversation. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. Now I have needs, right? I don't want it to feel like we're never coming back to this ever. So I want to know when we're coming back to it. And I also want to know truly that This conversation, even if it feels fraught, has no bearing on my place in your life, right? No bearing on your love for me. Because for me, with the way that I perceive conflict, we're already divorced (laughs) in my mind. And my partner is always like, well, what do you like? We have been married for so long. And you think we're just going to have this fight and we're going to feel, I mean, we feel divorced in my body right now. I've already um, decided. Yeah. It. yeah. And so, you know, again, I'm clearly the, the much more dramatic person in my relationship, but that is born out of my lived experience. That's not, you know, and I, I, at this point in my life, it's like, I refuse to be embarrassed about it. It's like, I have relational needs because of the relationships that I've been in up until this point. And because of those experiences, I need you to say, even though we're fighting right now, I love you. 
And, you know, the more that I'm able to stand behind what I need, and that's why doing this inner work is so important because we really have to be able to back ourselves because too often, you know, we go to ask for something. The other person doesn't want to give it to us and we are abandoning ourselves before we can, you know, take another breath. Um, so we have to get to the point in our relationship with ourselves where we believe that we matter and we deserve to take up space in our relationships. And until we get to that point individually, we're not going to be able to hold that space in our relationships, especially during a moment of conflict. Those last couple of sentences sounded a lot like my last therapy session. So everything's really connecting for me. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. The acknowledgement of needs in an argument is a point at which I hope to get. And I have yet to get, it feels like, in a relationship where it feels like I'm screaming into the void of like, I need this. And then my partner is, what? Like covering their ears, you know? And it... I, I would I would also consider that a huge win if even though we need different things in this moment, we both acknowledge that we have needs, they're different, and we will circle back uh, to make sure that we like address them. So anyway, you gave me the great words for my next relationship. So, so thanks for that. <sighs> you are most welcome. Um, so you can find me over at maraglatzel.com and come hang out with me on Instagram at maraglatzel and you can buy my book anywhere that books are sold. It's called needy, how to advocate for your needs and claim your sovereignty. And the book really goes into detail. There's, there's a lot of, okay, but how's that we're left with in this conversation. And I tie up a lot of those loops in the book. And so you know, I want to hear from you. If you do scoop it up, um, let me know if you are enjoying it or if you have any extra questions, find me on Instagram. But yeah, this work is so powerful and it can really change your life. And I think it can feel overwhelming to wade into, which is why I've created this flexible framework for you to begin engaging in this work in a way that feels as non-threatening as I could make it um, for something that requires a lot of bravery. So I hope you'll come and hang out with me there. I need to mm -hmm. thank Mara for being on the podcast today. And I guess I kind of sort of need to thank listeners for hanging out again. I guess maybe. I don't it's know. Given. You should be at this party every single week. And yeah, I feel like that's just your job at this point. But You're welcome for the invitation yeah. to get yeah. off and come hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Abso-fucking-lutely. But I guess I'll say thanks. Yeah. Uh, go off, come hard. Fuck. I messed it up. That's okay. I like yeah. – You know, pick your poise. Pick your poise. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fuck. Uh, you can also head on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. You can leave us a written review. You can rate us on Spotify. Share this episode with someone who has needs that you would like to validate because everyone deserves to have their needs validated as long as they're valid needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, take a shot every time we said needs in this episode. Mm-hmm. I know this is at the end, but just retroactively. retroactively. Take 700 shots. Yeah. Go I off. was the editing and I was like, good fucking Lord. <laughs> I was like, we'd be hammered. Yeah. But I love it. Go off. Come hard. Take shots. Have your needs met. Um, either way, we'll see you next week. We absolutely will. Goodbye. Bye.